We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Irish Breakdown Podcast. We are back for some more NFL Draft Talk, only a couple weeks away from the beginning of the 2022 NFL Draft, officially kicking off finally. It feels like it's been forever. Ryan Roberts here. I'm the Director of Recruiting at Irish Breakdown. Joining me is ESPN NFL Draft Analyst Jordan Reed. Jordan, I have to admit, man, just kind of seeing a little bit of your journey, it's awesome to just kind of have that ESPN associated at the beginning of, of that uh, title there, man. How's everything been going, brother? I know I've, I've tried to you know touch base with you a couple times since obviously the transition over ESPN, but again, congratulations for everything that's been going on with you, man. Absolutely, and first and foremost, just thank you for having me on. It's always a pleasure when I can talk draft with you. You're a mind that I definitely really respect, and it's been fun seeing your ascension as well. Congrats on Irish Breakdown. You seem like you're having the time of your life, too. So congrats on that once again, but it's been a journey for me. But it's been tough, too, transitioning in the middle of draft season. Started officially with ESPN in November, which is right at the peak of draft season as far as the season. And transitioning has been a little bit difficult, but – been alongside Todd McShay, Mel Kuyper, and Matt Miller. I have great colleagues. They make things a lot easier. So it definitely is a dream come true for me, something that I didn't foresee. It was completely random, which makes it even sweeter in the end. Yeah, man. No, I was I was really happy about that. And obviously, we want to talk a lot about the Notre Dame draft prospects for this year because it, it's a really nice class. But before I do, man, just kind of going off of – you know, that little intro to, you know, working with guys like Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay. I mean, T- Mel Kuyper is one of the reasons that I got into this, you know, kind of growing up. He's the yeah. godfather, you know. What's it like just having conversations with those types of guys and then being colleagues and coworkers with, with such great minds like that? Yeah, so the day that I got hired, Mel actually called me and it popped up on my phone, Mel Kuyper. I was like, man, I can't believe this. Like, I never thought that I would be talking to Mel. And then we talked for like two and a half hours on the phone. Mel talked for like two hours and 25 minutes of that phone conversation about the 83 Baltimore Colts and that story. So just hearing him retell that it is fun, but just being able to talk to Mel Kuyper, it's like, it's like Michael Jordan to me, you know, everybody envisions or meeting their star athlete or musician that they grew up idolizing. Mel Kuyper was that to me. Like he was the guy that I idolized, somebody that I always wanted to work alongside or eventually be, 
or become in the future. So just talking to him and having a phone conversation, it was a surreal moment. The same thing with Todd. I've met Todd plenty of times. I've worked with Todd on many occasions now that I've been with ESPN. And both of those guys, they're like not gods in a sense, but they're huge names in the industry and they're pillars of the industry too. So just having those two guys alongside me is an absolutely surreal feeling. Oh yeah, man, I'm sure. And I mean, I, I obviously I wanted to really mention Kuiper because I mean, he is the reason that this has been glorified into something that you can do year round. It's something that I love to do. Obviously he's, he's the, the, the pathway for guys like us to kind of love this, this type of journey. So really wanted to get into obviously Jordan, you know, I'm going to, I want to pick your brain a little bit about the draft class just because we haven't had the opportunity to talk about it too much, obviously with their, your move and the ascension that you had, but I want to start obviously with Kyle Hamilton. He's a guy that everybody Notre Dame alike, NFL draft fan alike. They want to talk about him a lot. And I, I am a huge fan of him. Obviously for me, there's, I mean, you don't historically speaking, just see many six foot four and eighth, 220 pound safeties with 33 inch arms walking around on the face of the earth. Like that's a very interesting physical profile. Just take me through some initial impressions of Kyle and how you feel like he stacks up as far as maybe one of the better safeties that you've evaluated during your time. Well, the first thing I will say is I'm surprised that he got out of Georgia. Like I'm shocked that he didn't go and play in the SEC and I was like reading his background story and why he actually went to Notre Dame. I thought that was something that was really special about him actually getting out of Georgia, just wanting to go somewhere else and get away from home. Notre Dame was a great spot for him. He was able to play right away. But just the physical aspect of him at six foot four, like you mentioned, 230 plus pounds. I mean, he brings everything that you want in a safety, has that tone setting presence. He can come downhill and feel against the run. He's He's consistent enough against the pass, even though they didn't use him in certain situations. You didn't see him a lot in man coverage outside of the red zone. But I think he's I think he's fine in man coverage. I think he can carry down the seam with those tight ends. Wide receivers will be a little bit of a challenge for him just because it's something that he hasn't done a whole bunch. But the range on the back end is something that you love to see, too. And everybody makes a big deal out of the pro day. And I'll admit, I didn't expect him to run in the four sixes or the four sevens. I thought he would run in the mid four fives. That's what he shows on tape. But with Kyle Hamilton, he's a person that relies on instincts as opposed to speed. So I'm not really worried about if he's running the four six or four seven just because he relies so much on instincts and that makes up for not his lack of speed, but maybe the speed that a lot of people didn't really envision or the time speed that a lot of people didn't envision with him. But I have no concerns with him as far as his speed just because of his game speed. He plays at a different level. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I, I know everyone loves comps, right, Jordan? I think a guy that recently, I mean, I did some historical kind of research on it, and you come up with guys of that size, you know, profile, like recently, like Obi Melifonwu, J. Ron Kirst, going dating back a little bit, the Kenny Eastleys of the world, Steve Atwater, um, Sean Taylor, like those guys are the ones that pop up from a just size perspective. I think a lot of people are, have tried to compare him to Derwin James that came out a few years ago out of Florida State as far as like the size and athleticism profile. Is there a fair comp for him? And do you see maybe a little bit of the Derwin James comparison in his game? I don't think he's as physical as Derwin, but I mean, he's plenty fine as far as coming downhill and striking defenders. But I think one of Derwin's better assets was just how physical he was. I think he was a little bit more intense than what Kyle Hamilton does downhill. And like I said, Kyle is fine as far as the physicality. He's not shy or hesitant or anything like that. I just think Derwin's physicality and the strength levels were just a little bit on par, or should I should say a little bit higher than Kyle Hamilton's right now, but Kyle Hamilton obviously has the size on Derwin. He's much bigger, and I think Hamilton's range is a little bit better on the back end too, honestly, even though Derwin was really, really unique as far as in coverage, but I like Hamilton a lot. He's my second-ranked player right now. Um, I've said it plenty of times. I would take him inside the top 10. If I was Atlanta at eight, I would take him. If I was the Giants at seven, I would take him too, just because he's so unique and he unlocks everybody on the back end of the defense just because of how many hats he can wear. And that's an interesting one. Leading me into my last question on Kyle is uh, I'd like to talk about the window with him a little bit of where he could go. I think, you know, I I don't know what Houston Texans are going to do with three. I feel like a lot of people are pensing an offensive tackle because there's been a lot of talk about, you know, maybe Laramie Tunts was out the door at some point. But for me, I always thought that the window is three. And I really thought the, the floor for him was around pick 10 to the Jets. Like that was in my mind. Connor, when he Connor Rogers, when he came on last week, he said that he thought 11 was was the end to, to the fall that could potentially be Washington Commanders, maybe be in the last spot. Do you see any world where he gets out of the top 10? I know that's been a talking point a lot, at least on the media side of things. I mean, it's possible just because of the edge rushers that we have that are creeping up the board. I mean, we're going to see probably three or four go inside of the top 10. The obvious ones are Hutchinson, Thibodeau. And then also Trayvon Walker, who's making a huge ascension right now, all the way up to Charles, my, my buddy Charles Davis even had him at number one overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars, creating a lot of uproar too. But I love Charles. He's awesome. But Trayvon Walker is one that's made an astronomical ascension up the board. So those defensive linemen, unfortunate for Kyle, are going to push him down the board a little bit potentially. But the great thing for him, he could end up on a better team. So, yeah, I think the commanders at 11 or even the Vikings at 12, I just don't think there's any way that they pass them up or pass them up just because of the need that they have in the secondary. That's fair. And I I know another person that in Notre Dame circles was a little, I don't want to say overanalyzed because it definitely matters, but Kyron Williams goes to the combine. He was weighing 194 pounds, ran 465, which is obviously not a great time. (laughs) Vertical jumps, 32 inches, not not a great jump. Nine eight, not a great broad. So it was just not a great showing overall. Was it something that you expected? And is it a, I don't want to say it's a 
it's a huge downslide for you, but is it something where you have to kind of like second guess an evaluation on him? Somewhat. I mean, the four seven was really, really shocking to me. He showed to have much more juice on tape than that. And that's not to say he has really, really good long speed. I was expecting somewhere in the mid to high four fives, just based on what he showed on tape. But I think he did hurt himself a little bit with that four seven. But the good thing for him is that he came back and ran, I believe, mid four fives at the pro day, which is great for him, especially being a smaller back. You can't be small and slow. That's just a huge no no in the league. You have to be for shorter. You have to be fast or provide some type of quickness which Kyron does show on tape. I think he's fine as a pass catcher. I think he's one of the better pass protectors in this draft overall, too. So he's going to help himself as far as some three-down value. He's going to have some special teams value as well, too. So I think probably fifth round, I think that's probably where I see him right now, fourth and fifth round. I think that's the sweet spot for him now that he came back and ran the mid-four fives at the pro day. But he's going to help himself out as far as the pass protection and then the pass catching ability that he has. I think he'll be fine um, just because, like I said, you can't be small and slow. That's like a double negative in the NFL, especially at running back. Yeah, I always I always felt like Kyron has a really nice baseline, obviously, as a pass receiver, you know, which he does very well, the pass blocking that you mentioned. And then he also did a pretty nice job as a punt returner for Notre Dame this past year. So I think there's a baseline for him, obviously, make a roster, make an impact. My question is, do you think that there is upside with Kyron maybe being, I don't want to say high volume ball carry, but maybe more of a ball carry, uh, higher volume than, I feel like a guy that's kind of thrown out out there a little bit is like a James White type of comparison. I, I feel like maybe he could be a little bit more of a, a volume carrier than that. But what do, what do you see personally as far as maybe the ideal output from a volume perspective? Yeah, I think it can be that 1B to a bell cow 1A rusher. And the name that I wrote down after I finished watching him was Philip Lindsay. He reminds me a lot of Philip Lindsay when he was coming into the draft. And I know Lindsay went, ended up being undrafted, but he had some productive years when he saw a bunch of playing time. So from a frame perspective, just what he can be on the next level, I think he can have some glory years like Philip Lindsay had. And I mean, Philip Lindsay was a really good bat when he was at his peak. So I could see that out of Kyron Williams and just the value that he brings to a committee as more so a 1B type of rusher that's paired or complements a 1A guy. The guy that I'm fascinated to get your opinion on, Jordan, I don't even want to bring up his testing yet because his testing was phenomenal. I'll go through a couple of the numbers. But Kevin Austin's a guy... I must admit, from an analyst perspective and from a fan of Notre Dame perspective, he's a very frustrating player to watch at times. What did you kind of see when you saw his film? What were just your initial impressions maybe of just the game film before we get into what he was, what he did as a tester? Well, you get really excited when he touches the ball just because he's so explosive. You see the testing numbers on tape, but he just couldn't stay on the field, whether it was for discipline reasons or just some of the things that he went through during his career so he, he's really exciting he has that strong body that you love to see really good blocker really good pass catcher too so it's just a matter of him just staying out his own way in a sense and I was really happy to see him test really well at the combine I think he put himself in that early day three discussion I think the fourth round is probably the sweet spot for him just because that's really what teams start to take chances on those athletes that maybe didn't produce the way that you have wanted to and I think he had a really good year last year at Notre Dame he put up some good numbers but he just wasn't able to consistently string year after year together. But maybe you're banking on that light turning on for him later on in his career, or I should say early on in his career as a rookie. But I think he's a really good developmental option in that fourth or fifth round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now that makes total sense. That's what we've kind of been floating around on the channel a little bit, like right around fourth round, I think is is a pretty sweet spot for him. Because for me, it's like Notre Dame has had obviously Chase Claypool that came out and was just an insane tester. And then they had Miles Boykin that came out that was also an insane tester. I feel, I think of, 
I think of Kevin somewhere in the between of those two guys, like somewhere in the middle um, to a degree. Let me ask you, though, from the one year of sample size, he had an opportunity to go back to school. And I, I don't want to talk about the decision to go back or come out because, you know, that's his personal decision. But for you, is it a big red flag that he only had one season of 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 um, production? And do you think that that's going to be held against him at all? Or do you think it's just they see the upside with him? I think it's just the upside with him. I think he wanted to cash in on, well, this, my value is really at his highest peak right now. And then he would have to adjust to a new quarterback next year as well. So he's thinking maybe I don't want to have to go through the chemistry issues of developing with another quarterback. I don't know who's going to be the quarterback next year um, as far as with Notre Dame. But obviously it's not going to be Jack Cohn next year. So he would have had a new guy under center that he would have had to develop chemistry with. So maybe he's thinking – my, my draft stock is at its highest right now. I don't think it's going to get any higher next year. I can go out here. I'm confident in how it could test too. Even though I have that one year of production, I'll just let the tape speak for itself. I'll go out and answer questions of why I was suspended for an entire year. Maybe I can clear up those red flags that I do have. So, um, I mean, I was fine with the decision and I think he'll be fine. Now it's just a matter of him distancing himself from some of those red flags, answering the questions, taking it head on, and then just performing in camp. That's what it's going to come down to. You mentioned his quarterback already, and it's the perfect segue into Jack Cohn. I, I would argue Jack Cohn's had one of the more just solid processes so far. I felt like he was maybe the best quarterback at the East-West Shrine. I know he got the the um, award for for the event. And then I thought he – I mean, 4-9 in the 40, I knew he wasn't going to be a fast guy. But like 33-inch vert, pretty solid number. He's throwing the ball solidly across the board the, along the whole draft process. What do you feel? Um, how do you feel Jack has been able to help himself during this process? Just kind of maybe separating him in what is kind of an eerie quarterback class the further you get down, especially. Yeah, you know, whenever I'm at these all star games, I always have my eye on quarterbacks being a quarterback guy playing a position. That's always the position that I'm most intrigued by. And I was really impressed with him at East West Shrine. I'm right there with you. I think he was the best of the bunch there. I thought he was better than Brock Purdy and Skylar Thompson, who were the two quarterbacks in his same group on the same team. I thought he was the best of the bunch. Start off a little bit slow, not an overly vocal guy. He was a little bit laid back, but he let more of his actions speak. And he really developed as a leader as the, as the week went along. So I was really impressed with him. He isn't as physically gifted as some of the other quarterbacks, but he's super smart. And he always knows what, where to go with the ball. You saw the anticipation. Uh, over the middle and then along the sideline outside of the numbers. Like I said, he doesn't have a super big arm at all, but he overcompensates that with anticipation. That's the big area of where I was really impressed with him. Him being exposed to an NFL playbook for three days, he really was able to master it just because he was pointing guys in the right direction. He was setting guys up as far as protections. You just don't see stuff like that at all-star games. So that's just a credit to his football knowledge, his football IQ, and just how well he was able to digest the terminology. Yeah, and I think the one thing that he also has going for him is that, you know, he's at Wisconsin, which is, you know, a very pro-style system, heavy under center. They're, they're running a lot of heavy packages. And then you go to Notre Dame, that's more of a pro-style spread. So he's kind of been in a couple different systems, which I think is going to be great for him. And I know he's a guy that's probably done incredible on the board. He's just a really sharp guy. My question for you, Jordan, on Jack is I am under the impression, and you can, you know, if you would disagree, please do. I would be surprised at this point if he does not get drafted. Are you on the safe wavelength there, or do you think that it's still going to be kind of a borderline draftable player? Yeah, I think sixth or seventh round is probably where he ends up going. I think that's fair for him. I actually have a QB-only mock draft coming out tomorrow, and I had him going in the sixth round. Um, I, I can't remember which team it was. I think it was like the L.A. Rams, if I'm not mistaken. So I had him going in the sixth round to the Rams. 
Um, but I think that's probably the sweet spot for Jack Cohn. I think I would be comfortable taking him in the sixth round as a developmental option. I mean, it couldn't hurt at all adding him to a room of plenty of players that we both know <laughs> with backup quarterbacks. It's a crapshoot as far as those guys sticking on a roster. But just let Jack Cohn go out there and let him perform and see how he does. We know that he's going to be able to digest the terminology very quickly. He's going to know where to go with the football. And that's all you can ask for out of a backup quarterback. You just want high-quality insurance. And I think he can eventually provide that. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Jack's an awesome dude, man. I'm, I'm really happy to see that he's had such a, again, clean draft process through it all. Because at times during the season, man, it was, there was adversity during like the early stages yeah. of the season, you know, get it kind of, there's a little bit of a quarterback carousel and he played his best football down the stretch. So I'm happy to see my, my last guy Jordan, that I want to get with on the Notre Dame side of things before I ask just a little bonus question, Myron Tagovailoa Mosa, of course is, you know, fam- you know, to his cousin, which is, you know, one of the main storylines, very interesting arc for him in his career at Notre Dame. He's a multi-year starter as a defensive tackle, weighing about 285 pounds or so. Then his final year, he cuts weight because, I mean, honestly, he's just a guy that struggled to keep that weight on during his career. So then he goes plays around 260, 265 his last year, plays the big end, strong side end in their defense. I think he's an interesting player because I think he's just a really solid football player, but I think that he's one of those guys, Jordan, and I, I've talked about this a little bit on the channel. It's like, there's hybrid players and then there's tweeners, right? Like hybrid is, you know, you can do a little bit of everything and you can kind of work different roles. Tweeners is where like you don't really fit perfectly into maybe a particular role. What do you see in Myron as far as his preferred role at the next level? And do you feel like he has traits that you would be willing to bank on sometime as a draftable player? Yeah, so I got an opportunity to see Myron at East West Shrine, and right in my recap, he was one of my biggest takeaways as far as the most impressive players, and that was after he cut weight. Just the pop in his hands and the strength that he plays with, I mean, it was easy to see. Like, he was able to lock out, shock and shed, plenty of defenders. As far as a run defender, I think he's ready-made right now. Now, if I were him or if I were a team, I would try to beef him back up and place him as a base end in the 3-4 defensive front, try to get him back up to 
280 pounds, 285 pounds and let him play that four eye or four technique just because he has so much pop and strength in his hands. Like whenever he was making contact, they were doing a double team drill. He was making contact with offensive linemen and you just saw their heads popping back. So that just goes to show that he has a lot of snap in his wrist and a lot of pop in his hand. So I think he's better as far as in a 3-4 defensive end. I think he's probably a base defensive end in that. But I was really, really impressed by him. And like I said, uh, he's kind of in that Josh Pascal, Zach Carter type of tier of third, fourth round guys that I think could be immediate starters or developmental type of guys that eventually could be starters in a base 3-4 defensive end. Yeah, no, that's it's a really good, uh, really good observation. The guy that I compared him to, Jordan, is at least from a stylistic perspective, he, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Adrian Claiborne. Like, I don't know why. There's just, like, shades of his game a little bit to me. Last question I have for you. I remember last year, obviously, we were both really high on, like, J.C. Horn. I think that was one of our guys in the cycle. So I want to ask about one of your guys in this cycle, man. It could be any position. does not have to be Notre Dame-specific. Who's a guy in this class that you would that you would categorize as one of your guys this year? Oh, whew, man, I have a lot in this class. I really like this class from a depth perspective. But one that I love is Jalen Petrie from Baylor, just because just seeing him at the senior bowl, like I was blown away by him. And I think what happens a lot with the safety classes and safeties in general, and I learned this from Javon Holland, is that the big knock on Holland, not from me, but from just what everybody was saying, was that he only played in the box as far as a strong safety during his final year at Oregon. But if you go back and you watch his previous years, he's playing free safety, he's playing high post, he's doing all that stuff. So what's a little bit different about this safety class is that you kind of have to project a lot of these guys just because they were so fixated on playing one position. Daxton Hill is another great example of where he just played nickel, but he can do so much more. He can play high post, he can play free, he can play strong, he can come down and be the low safety. There's so many other needs that he can satisfy. And I think that's very similar with what's going on with Jalen Petrie, just because he played that star position in Dave Aranda's defense, that Minka Fitzpatrick made very known in Saban's defense. That's really where it originated. Jalen Petrie played that role in Dave Aranda's defense to where he's just playing forward with everything. So he's playing around the line of scrimmage. I mean, the dude had 18 and a half tackles for loss last year, which is unheard of for a safety Big 12 defensive player of the year. But he didn't get a lot of exposure, a lot of reps and coverage just because that's the role that Aranda wanted him to satisfy. So a lot of people are saying that he's not good in coverage. He's not good at man coverage. We really just didn't get to see him do it. But at the senior bowl, he's locking everybody up that he goes against. So it's like, oh, man, he can do this. But it's kind of like when we talk about with running backs, if they have low production as a pass catcher, but they really weren't asked to do it. That's kind of how I see Petrie of where I think he's fine in coverage. He just wasn't necessarily asked to do that. So. I mean, I like him a lot. Like, if I'm the Chiefs at 30, I would take him. Um, if I'm the Jets at 35 or even the Giants at 36, I'm running the card up to take him. I like Petrie that much. I love it. Again, joined by Jordan Reed, NFL, um, ESPN NFL Draft Analyst, joining us here, formerly of the Draft Network, one of the best minds in the business. Jordan, obviously, everybody out there can go take a look at ESPN.com and see everything that you got going on over there. But where else can people follow you just so they can take a look at your your work leading up to the big draft day? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Jordan, that's J-O-R-D-A-N underscore Reed, R-E-I-D. You can find my work on ESPN.com. I actually have a full seven-round mock draft coming out next week, all 262 picks. I'm happy to get that out and be done with it. That will be out the middle of next week, so be on the lookout for that. Um, I'll be on Get Up the rest of the week. Um, I'll also be on Sports Center the rest of the week, too. It's, it's April, so draft season is here. I'm excited. 
Well, Jordan, I really appreciate you again for taking a little bit of time because, like you said, it's a very busy time for you. But thank you so much. Hope you have you back on sometime maybe after the draft, man. But this was fantastic, and, and I really appreciate just the time tonight. Absolutely. Thanks as always, Ryan. Headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.